Welcome to Pushing Through. My name is Tate Frazier, and it is Tuesday in Los Angeles. And sitting across from me, it is the man, the myth, the legend, the man dealing with so many people in oh. the NBA this week, Mr. BJ Armstrong, aka the kid. What up, BJ? What up? It's uh, what a week. <laughs> what a week, and uh, it's only Tuesday, but um, trade deadline is always hectic. A lot of things moving around right now. Right now, your phone is basically out 24-7. Yeah, my You're phone You're just waiting is, for phone calls. Yeah, I, I'm just on the phone here constantly, 24 hours, and um, I expect a lot of things to happen in the next 48 hours here with Thursday being the deadline. Yeah, we saw, you know, over the past week, obviously, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, grief around the NBA and there wasn't a lot of talk or a lot of movement about the trade deadline. And then as we get closer and closer, you see all these reports coming out. There was a report that, you know, the Timberwolves really wanted to get D'Angelo Russell. So they were, you know, trying to trade and make all these, you know, different pieces work. But regardless of all the the inside trade, you know, talk, right, BJ, all that sort of stuff, no, no one really cares because it's all fodder for the most part. It's It's more interesting for me to see what the value is for some of these players you know what i mean like right. th that that's what the trade deadline really speaks to it's like what is andre drummond really worth currently to get traded and and those are when the leaked reports come out and it almost becomes like a pr war uh more <laughs> more than anything yeah it, it is and, and a lot of times what you're seeing because of the technology and because of the way we consume information now yeah is you have a narrative to the story um <laughs> But the, the the truth of it is, is that you try to find, and this the NBA I think has done probably a better job than most, uh, if you compare it to the other leagues, of trying to get the information out to its fan base. But more importantly, the teams have to figure out what they're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and what, what, what does that mean? What am I trying to say here? Or what am I really saying? What I'm saying is, is that these teams have to find players who fit into their system of what they're trying to do. Are they trying to win now or are they trying to build for the future? And most of the teams have committed to building their organizations through the draft. Mm -hmm. And that is what you're seeing through the trade deadline and what you see during the summer when there's free agency and what have you is that most of the teams are trying to add pieces to their team where it fits into their financial structure. And then when they do win, they're, willing to go over or at least get to the luxury tax or whatever's needed to try to win. And that's always, that's only four or five teams in any given period. And most of the other teams are trying to build through the draft. So free agency gets tricky because you have some really good players, but you may have an organization that's committed to the long haul or, or better yet trying to build through the draft. And I think that's what you're, what you're seeing now in sports because uh, if you're going to have any sustainability and be able to do it over a period of time, you're going to have to do it through the draft. And I think that's the overwhelming thought of how to build a team, especially in the NBA. And the sadistic outlook on that is basically those are cheaper contracts or so teams are willing yes. to take, you know, a rookie deal and, and string it out and see if they can, you know, kind of strike gold for cheap and then there deal with go. it on the back end. And, uh, that's why we talked about this, you know, maybe even a couple summers ago. There's like three contracts in the NBA. There's like the max, the mid-level, and the minimum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no real, real I mean, you have the max. Yeah. They have. You have the, the, the exceptions, mm -hmm. all of the exceptions that you mm -hmm. that you see that players are, 
you know, the majority of the players are in the league are fighting for. And then you have the vet minimum, mm -hmm. and then you have the rookie scale contracts. That's basically it in today's game. So, you know, when you look at how these teams are being constructed, right, uh, you have a significant advantage, you know, if you were the Warriors five years ago because you had a player who was a max player playing on a contract that was worth $10, 11000000 million, Steph Curry, because yeah. of an injury. Mm -hmm. So now you have And a, when he got that $11 million deal, you, people you were, were like, kind of shocked. Exactly. They thought it was a bad deal. So now you're able to build a team, and it kind of gives you a little cushion. And then you, 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 you do a great job. I mean, you give them the credit, right? Because they're the ones who drafted Draymond Green. They're the ones who drafted, you know, Clay Thompson. And when you're able to build a team through the draft, and economically your players are playing above whatever they're, they're making mm -hmm. or at what they should be making, it, it gives you a significant advantage. And you have to give them credit. That's why they were so far ahead because they had not one, not two, but they had three players that they actually drafted. And financially, they were all like probably where they should be as far as financially. And certainly Steph Curry was underpaid at $11 million or so. But when he got paid that $11 million, you didn't know he had an ankle injury. So that gave them a significant advantage. That gave them the opportunity to add an Andre Iguodala. That put them in position to get another free agent some years later, and that turned out to be Kevin Durant. And then the rest is history. So, you know, you, you need a little luck along the way. But certainly if you're going to do it and you have an opportunity to do it at a high level over a period of time, going through the draft or doing it through the draft, that's the only viable way or viable option that you have. In the summer of 2017 was basically an anomaly at this point because it happened in a time when the NBA, you know, everything, the cap was rising. Everyone yes. was very excited about the revenues for the entire association globally right. and that's beyond. Right. And then we had, you know, China, the incident that happened earlier this year. And now there's a projection that the salary cap will go down again. And so it's like, you know, a return to the mean, you know, in a certain yeah. sense. So like 2017, again, was lucky for that summer to be the summer cap. Kevin Durant mm -hmm. is a free agent to go to the Warriors, and it all kind of came together. You mentioned Iguodala. I, I kind of want to leave the trade, day, uh, trade deadline stuff, you know, right. aside because who really, you know, it, it's inside baseball, and you know, there's a lot of things that'll happen. But I want to talk about Iguodala and his situation with the Grizzlies, a team that is building through the draft. We got John Morant, the number two pick, but maybe the best player, uh, definitely the rookie of the year uh, for most people right now. You got Dylan Brooks, a young guy at Oregon that we remember Coach K went after uh, when he lost to him in the NCAA tournament. That was always a, a fun moment. So they've had. You know, these big moments, these guys, but they're all younger, and now they're right. talking. And John Morant basically was like, if Iguodala doesn't want to play with us, is what it is. You know, right. and Dylan Brooks first said it, and then he kind of just echoed it on Twitter. And for me, I love it. I think it's cool to see these young guys kind of stand up and say, we don't need Iguodala to validate us or say we're great. We like playing with each other. We're in Memphis, and we got a chip on our shoulder, which is very, you know, great yeah. and grind. Yeah, I mean, look, I love it because of the following. When – you know, when you come into this league, you know, there's so many things for you to learn, right? Yeah. You, you have to learn how to play the NBA game. You have to learn how to travel. You have to learn how to eat. You're learning how to become a professional. But the one thing you never learn, either you have it or you don't, is how to compete. That's the one thing you don't learn. Either you're going to compete from day <laughs> one or you're not. Mm -hmm. And John Morant, is an incredibly talented player. He will be a better shooter, I guarantee you, three years from today. He'll be a better passer. He will be a better player because he will continue to improve and work on his skill and all those things. But it's very obvious from day one that that kid is a competitor. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I love. 
And that's what this league is all about. So whether or not he understands and he doesn't have the experience that uh, Andre Iguodala has, he doesn't understand, nor should he understand what it's like to compete at a championship at this level. He's in year one. But what I love about what he said was he has confidence mm -hmm. and he is there to compete and the season means something to him. His championship is tomorrow night. His championship isn't in June. Mm -hmm. His championship isn't what he, you know, talking about what we could be, ought to be. His championship is, nah, y'all show up to the game tomorrow and I'm going to bust your you-know-what. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what this league is all about. So even though he doesn't have all of the experience, but you love the fact that he has the confidence to say, you know what, we don't want anybody here that don't want to be here. That's called building culture. And culture requires you to have superior leadership from two out of the three positions, right? You got to have leadership either at the, the players, the coaches, or the executives. Mm -hmm. And two out of those three has to, ha has to have superior leadership if this is going to work. John Morant just made an example of what superior leadership, he rallied the troops. Mm -hmm. He rallied the troops to say, look, as long as you're here in this locker room, I got you. Yeah, he's like, we're gonna bark, <laughs> and not only we gonna bark, we gonna we come. Yeah, we, we might can, bite too. We, yeah. we, no, we, we not. So I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. That's that's culture and leadership, mm -hmm. and that leadership came from within. And when I saw that young man do that, that's respect. Yeah, because you don't, you, you have to earn your stripes in this league. He came here, then asked to be respected. He came here and said, "I'm taking my respect." Every night you come down here to Memphis, you gonna get busted. Yeah, it's a problem. You and, 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 that's a, and I'm gonna come in your arena, yeah. and that's gonna be a problem. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's standing in our way, you gonna be a problem. So that young man right there, what he did to me, he just got another fan. Mm -hmm. He just, I, I'm a, I'm a fan now because now I know that young man there is willing to pay the price. Meaning, not only doing the games and the season, I know what he's gonna be doing in the summer. Because now he got he talk a little trash too. Yeah, he's got to prove something at this point. He got to prove it. and He got to back it up. And you know what, B.J. Armstrong, you count him in on the fan list because John Morant, what he said, that's a beautiful thing because you see a young player that has the competitive gene. Mm -hmm. He competes. He competes. And what more can you ask? And he went to Murray State and he got his jersey retired. And I remember going into the draft, they had this like little package with his dad. And his dad was like, we would go down here, you know, and I would just bust him, you right. know, until he kept getting older and kept getting better. But I would still bust him. You know, I made him learn a lesson every single night that he wasn't as good as me. And then there was about 15, 16 where it flipped and he was better. It was like a he got game moment. You know, it's like Jesus Shuttlesworth. You know, it was like the, it flipped the script on him. And John Morant goes to a small, you know, small school, doesn't get the eyeballs, ends up being the number two pick. You would think maybe he's content. And then he goes to the Grizzlies and he's like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm taking over from Mike Conley, who's your favorite point guard, your, right. your franchise player. But I'm going to be something different. You know, I'm going to be bigger and I'm going to talk to the best point guard in the NBA, Steph Curry. And Steph Curry responded with the picture of Andre Iguodala. And then, you know, John Morant came back and was like, for all those people that say they don't respect right. Steph, you know, I'm the biggest Steph Curry fan from South Carolina. Right. I went to his camp. I pulled for the Warriors. But that doesn't mean I won't bust his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the NBA. That's what I'm saying. This is competition. Yeah. This is a, hey. I love you it. Know, you know me and we always talk about hip hop. In that, in that hip hop world, an MC, that's a competitive environment. Mm -hmm. A 
It's a competitive environment. That NBA is a competitive environment. That's what the game was built on. It wasn't built on friends and hugging it out and all those <laughs> things. It was built on, okay, what made the NBA special then and what makes it special now is that you have to compete. Just because you were the best player yesterday doesn't mean you're going to be the best player today. Here's a young man that's coming in the door and he kicked it in. Mm -hmm. Now, is there respect for Steph Curry? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It goes without saying. Do you know saying. who respected John Moran probably yeah, more than yeah, anyone? Yeah, Steph, Steph Curry. Curry. <laughs> they, they, they almost got a similar story. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So now here's a young man who didn't diss Iguodala and say anything. He just said, if you don't want to be here. We're good. We're not begging. But when we do see you. Good luck. We coming for you. Mm -hmm. Come on. That's what, that's what. That's what I'm paying to see. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to see. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see guys talking about their best buddies. And, no, I want to see rivalries. I want to see John Morant and Steph Curry now. Because I know there's a little something up under there. There's a game within the game. So I'm getting fired up just thinking about the first time they meet up with, with Andre Iguodala. It might be some hard fouls in there. It might... Hey, I might have a flashback for a minute when I go to a game now. I'm excited <laughs> just talking about this right now because that to me is what made this game special. Respect your opponent. You should. Respect all these guys. All these guys are incredible players mm -hmm. and they're incredible talents. But then you want to see the competition though. I want to see the competition. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see anybody get in a fight or anything. I just want to see two guys or teams going at it and having a hard game. And at the end of the game, it's respect and love. And then you move on to the next. That's what makes sports, to me, special. Yeah, that's the beauty of the whole game. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to exist in this competitive realm. And yes. then, you know, it's over. We shake hands. We have our sportsmanship moment. And then in 15 years, we'll be on open court on NBA TV. And we'll talk about, you know, all the good but times I together. do want to see this John Moran, Steph Curry <laughs> matchup. <laughs> no, I want to see that. I want to see that one-on-one -on -one matchup. I want to see Iguodala's face on the golf course when he looked at his phone and he saw John Moran tweet that. I would that's what tell I want you, to see. I would you this. I don't want to. I don't want to be on an island with John Moran. I can tell you that because that young man there got game. Okay, absolutely. Now he 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 got some game now, and I don't want to be in a one on one matchup mm -hmm. with him. And as you watch him, what makes him to me a special player is what he does on the defensive end. He takes the matchup every night. He takes his matchup every night. You know, he takes and guards Russell Westbrook. He guards Derrick Rose. He guards Damian Lillard. He go he's not running from the matchup on mm -hmm. a switch. That's what I really love about the kid. He is running to Steph Curry. He's running to Andre Iguodala. That's what you really love about him is that, yeah, you know what? Everybody in this league is going to get dunked on. Everybody's going to get crossed over. Mm -hmm. Everybody, somebody going to hit you for 40. Right now, if you play, if you play in the Portland Trailblazers, you're going to get 40 plus. Yes, Dame Lillard's going to play. Dame Lillard, you. if you're yeah, a guard right now, yes. you're just trying to hold him now mm -hmm. under 50 right now. Yeah, or like get your jersey, switch yeah, at the end yeah, of the game yeah, and take go. a picture. That's what I'm saying. He's going to hit you. But I love him when you take that competition, though. When you take that, mm -hmm. when you take to say, you know what? I'm going to hold him under 30 tonight. That's what I love. And that's, to me, is what, what makes it. So, John Morant, man, when he finally becomes a consistent three-point shooter with his athleticism and what he's going to learn about this game in the next two years, that's a major problem at that point guard position. Major. 
it's really major too to think that Memphis. I mean, as as great as Mike Conley was in Memphis, you know what I mean. Mike Conley took them to a Western Conference Finals. I mean, they were up two one over right. the Warriors and ended up winning the finals in twenty fifteen. It seems like John Morant, this new era has already clicked in. You know, it's kind of like we're ready to go. There was no, you know, well, he's the newer version. Exactly. I mean, yeah. John Morant is is is. Like in Charlotte, the, even though Devontae Graham is great, right? Everyone's enjoying yeah. Devontae Graham. People were still saying, oh, I miss when Kimba was here. Like, there's still, like, a little bit of a mourning period. If, it feels like in Memphis, it just kind of shifted. But John Moran's something new. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, and he's fearless. Mm -hmm. He's fearless. I mean, that kid is – I mean, this kid's trying to jump over people. Yeah, right? he he's, loves it. In year one, he's trying to jump over, like, power forward. He's trying to jump over Kevin Love. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he's trying to dunk over you. He's trying to jump around you. He's doing whatever is necessary. But – the thing, you know, another player we nearly, really need to give a, a shout out to is Jaron Jackson. Mm. Jaron Jackson has Triple really, J. he's really elevated his game this year, and a lot of that has to do with the with the appearance now of John Morant. You know, mm -hmm. when you get a great guard, it really creates opportunities for other guys. And not to say that he wasn't a terrific player last year, but you can see his impact this year. John Morant is really making the game easy for all those other guys because there isn't a place he can't get to on the floor. You know, we always, you know, talk about shooting as one of the things that you or scoring the basketball. That's how we evaluate great players. One thing that a great player always has in common, with the exception of the center position, is they can get to any place on the floor that they want to get to with the dribble. That's really the defining skill set of a great player. You know, Michael Jordan didn't need me to pass on the ball. <laughs> he could get there when he wanted to get there. You know, Allen Iverson can get any place on the floor. All of the great players, whether it's LeBron James or James Harden or Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, they can get to anywhere on the floor with the dribble. John Morant can do that right now. Mm -hmm. So whatever is being written up on the on the blackboard or the whiteboard or whatever whatever they're using today in the locker room, <laughs> smartboard, yeah, smartboard, iPad or whatever, <laughs> he can get there. Mm -hmm. Now it just comes out: Are they going to make the shot or not? And that's a that's a massive or huge advantage for any organization because he is that good on the floor. I don't care what defense you're running; you're not going to stop that kid from getting where he wants to get to on the floor. And I think Jaron Jackson has been the beneficiary. Of, of playing with a great point guard. He is really, really taking his game to another level this year. And I expect him to be even better because what he really, what he probably will be at some point will be a five. Yeah, he, he's a, the five that we were talking about last yeah. week. You were like, it's a guy that's going to be 6'11", 7 feet tall, but he also can guard the, the four. Forward. He's kind of nimble. He can also shoot the three, stretch the floor. I mean, Jaron Jackson's crossing people up. That's yeah. what I'm saying. He probably will be at some point as his body matures and he, they figure out what they're going to do as far as a team and how they're going to build it. Um, if those two are healthy, mm -hmm. those are two great pieces to build around. Valanciunas has been excellent. I mean, he's like a throwback player. He just mm -hmm. beats you up. Mm -hmm. He can score. And he plays big. And they put in Jay Crowder, and they put a lot of pieces around them where they just come out and compete. They're a really fun group. You know, they're, they're one of those teams that, you know, you go, I don't expect them to win a championship but I admire how they play. They play hard. They play together. And John Moran is like must-see TV. He really mm -hmm. is. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he'll catch an alley-oop. He'll block a shot. He'll, he'll cross jump you over. He'll the free throw line. He'll, and do, and, yeah, he'll make the incredible passes. Yeah. And it's always fun to watch young 
teams come together like they're coming together. Yeah, it's cool. It's good for a, a small market team, especially in the the times that all we want to do is talk about the Lakers and the Celtics and everyone else. It's like the Grizzlies, they're a good team. They're How a fun, fun team. would it be to see the Grizzlies play the Lakers in the first round? Oh, the 8-1 game. Would, I'm I mean, there. Yeah, oh, all day. <laughs> <laughs> poor I'm Rondo. There. Rondo's got uh, the guard. Hey, man. No, yeah. poor whoever's got a guard. Because <laughs> you know what? And, and, uh, yeah, you know what? I remember, you know, this, this just makes me, I remember when Derrick Rose was a rookie. I was so excited for him to get to the playoffs. Because you know what? Now, when you get to the playoffs, just your adrenaline, your skill, you got 82 games under your belt. Mm -hmm. And then you get a chance in, in a series to kind of put everything that you know. And for him, I remember just watching his first game against the Celtics. And he had like 36 or 37 points in his first game. And it was one of those moments I thought, God, you know, that's... That's different. Yeah, that's a, that's a little different, <laughs> right? And John Morant, I'm watching him and I'm going, mm -hmm. he's a little different. He's a little different than the rest of the kids. And I think if they are able to hold on to the eighth seed, if they could just win one game in the playoffs, that would be a huge win for them. Because they are ahead of schedule right now. Mm -hmm. No one expected this team to be where they're at right now. And now this team, you're watching this team begin to believe in themselves. And that's always a little scary. I don't want to play people who, especially in the playoffs, who start to believe. They really think that they can beat anybody right now. And that's what's fun with watching this young group. Especially when they go against veterans. And I oh, think that, yeah, yeah. That's like the funniest part about the Iguodala and John Moran thing. It's the, it's the classic generational gap, which we talk about on this show. Is right. like between these two guys, they're both right where they are in their in their place in life. You know what I mean? I don't blame Iguodala for saying, look, I don't want to play in Memphis. Like, I'm going to be back when the Warriors, when Steph is back and Clay is back and Draymond's back. I'll be it. there. I get it. That's I, it. Hey. And John Moran's like, well, then get off my we team. We all get old. I don't want to run up and down the court. Hey, I just want to play a half-court game, 3 on 3 round, you know? Yeah, can we run the triangle? Yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> Let these other young guys run around. Yeah. I get it. And, and that's where Andre is at. Hey, I saw Andre as a high school player. Andre mm -hmm. could run and jump with the best of them. But now, what is he, 35, 36 years of age? Hey. Save it for the playoffs. Save it. <laughs> How about this? Just call me when you need me. Yeah, exactly. I'm at the end of the bench. Yeah. You know, it's you like a me. year rest. It's like a little break, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can, I, can I ask you one thing about the Super Bowl I thought was really funny and I wanted to get your thoughts on? Sammy Watkins, uh, the receiver for the Chiefs, played at Clemson. Uh, you know, there's a high draft pick, all that sort of stuff. He's owed $14 million next year. And he said if they won the Super Bowl, he would sit out next year. You know, because he was like, he was like cause now my value is even higher because I won the Super Bowl. So they win the Super Bowl, and now I haven't heard it. He hasn't said anything since. So I, I just wonder if people have kept up with this. I didn't know if you saw this. As an agent, I just thought that was a baller move. I don't know if he talked to his agent. I just thought that I was I don't hilarious. know how I feel about that. Like, what, <laughs> what, a, what a terrible, you know, Sophie's choice for the fans. Like, well, I want to win the Super Bowl. I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I don't want to lose Prior to us getting on air, I want to say this. He's got to double down on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sit down. I mean, he's got to double down on that. So... Call it the Eagle Dollar, the Le'Veon Bell, whatever you want to call it. Just yeah, take a seat, just rest. You won the Super Bowl. You're going to Disney World. Stay there for a year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How quickly did Disney World get into the, to the? Oh, Pat Mahomes before he could even you know hug his girlfriend. The Disney Mickey Mouse punched him in the face. <laughs> like, look at the camera. I mean, that was quick. Yeah, that was. You know what? Business is business, and uh, it was interesting. It was very funny. Yeah, it was and. That kid, Mahomes, is he's pretty good, though. He's pretty good, yeah. yeah he came he back in the clutch. I felt bad for Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought he had a really good game, and then yep. now he's getting blamed for everything. And this is the, the paradigm in sports. You know, if he wins that game, Mahomes, you know, doesn't come back, and they win 20-17, to 17, let's say. Right. Or he, he hits, you know, Emmanuel Sanders on that deep ball. They win the game, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the next Tom Brady, and we're saying that he should already be in the Hall of Fame. So, 
That's what we live in. That's the world we live in. It's yeah, very interesting. Someone's got to. Someone has someone's to be, gotta the, be hero. the goat, and someone's got to be the goat. Yeah, and but you know what? That kid Mahomes. He's next level. He he he's he he has unwavering confidence. I mean, the throws he make, the throws that he makes during the course of a game. I mean, he mm-hmm. just he's like a. I mean, he just. He just goes for it, right? I don't know if he's just because of his age or it's because he played baseball. I'm is telling you, when you, when you play I mean, baseball, you have an air of confidence about you that it's unlike any other. Because you know, if you make it to the majors, you're gonna be richer than everyone else. <laughs> is that what <laughs> that's, it is? that's all you gotta do? Is you gotta well, save it up. You gotta get through the minors, and you'll be America than should really, really <laughs> make your kids it. play baseball first. That's my they rule. They should take a look at this kid. John Moran because, played baseball. Yeah, because his confidence. I mean, I mean, they did it what like two or three times in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. When they came back, but his confidence in key situations to make plays, right, big plays, and go for it mm-hmm. without hesitation. That to me is what stands out about him. Is that you watching a kid that's twenty five? He really doesn't understand all the things he's going to even be even better next year and the following year uh, for many years to come. And he's what is he twenty five now? Yeah, or I think something? he's twenty four, going 20, on twenty five. I mean, but his confidence, how do you get your kid to be that confident? Yeah, and on the other side of that, they asked him about his contract, uh, which is coming up for negotiation in a year, and he said, I don't talk about contracts. That's not my job. Smart. Maybe the opposite of Sammy Watkins who's sitting out, but I kind of like Sammy's outlook more. But but always be aware of the man who stays silent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's like what Steph Curry did. He was like, I'm cool with 11 million. Give me that super I'm going to need that. I'm yeah, going to need that. for sure. Uh, speaking of, we got uh, the All-Star Game in Chicago next week. Uh, yep. You and I and Mike Midas will all be there in Chicago. Oh, uh, that's great. You'll be doing uh, some panels for Mitchell and Ness. You'll be around uh, back in Chicago, which will be great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're going to be helping Mitchell and Ness do some things there at their, their pop-up shop, which will be great. And, again, we're just going to roam around Chicago and hopefully not freeze to death. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully it will be a little, little – uh, a little warmer than it has been because it was cold. It's was cold here in week. LA. It was like it's, fifty it, degrees yesterday. I know it was cold. It was. I was like, "What's going on? I gotta get a. I gotta get a jacket." Poor little LA people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm literally looking forward to this Mitchell and Ness and mm-hmm. having a partnership with them. I think it's great, and uh, they've been great partners. And you know, Kevin and and all the people Wolf there, um, they've been excellent. So we'll have an opportunity. We'll be doing some. Creating some content there, some pretty cool things. I yeah. just, I just want to get the gift. I just want to get the gift. <laughs> you know, we just want the gear. We yeah, just, I just want the Mitchell and Ness. Yeah, gear, I, yeah, I really want my Mitchell and Ness gear too. You know, I want a BJ Armstrong Iowa jersey uh, oh, desperately, man. like out to the public. You know what I mean? That's can what we, we make need. that happen. Yeah, that's what we need to ask for. That's what I want. I'm I sure wanna, they'll put that out. I want a quick story here. When I was uh, when I graduated from the University of Iowa, in a long time, in a, in a long, <laughs> long, long time ago, right? And at the end of the season. You go get your all your gear, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you go get your, clean out your, your uniform, locker. you clean yeah. out your locker and all your things. So I go to the uh, equipment manager to get my gear, and they said, uh, hey, BJ, we have a problem. I said, mm. what's the problem? Like, you know, somehow your uniform has come up missing. Oh, wow. So I never got my uniform from the University of Iowa. So I need Mitchell and Ness right now. Well, we need to figure out who ripped that uniform to sell it on eBay because that was definitely... I, I don't know who has it. So it's... it's it's Some vendor in Vegas definitely <laughs> has it. We need to get that back. Let's track them down. That's crazy. We need to track that down. Yeah, I never got my uh, uniform from, from the university. So 
How do I get that? So, so I, the I Hawkeye need Mitchell fans, Nesta someone, right yeah, track that down. We need Mitchell and Ness to make this New Jersey. We need the New Jersey. Uh, that's that's honestly very sad, but it's also what you'd expect <laughs> in the eighties. He says very sad. Are you really sad? I've actually heard about this. I mean, that's like a that's your own memorabilia. The one thing you got to keep from the university. Uh, <laughs> They're like, let me take this. All right. Uh, I don't. I don't mean to make you sad. No, it, it's okay. We're excited for uh, Chicago. We're excited to be uh, with all things Mitchell and Ness, and uh, yeah, we're excited to be back, and we'll be back on Friday to talk uh, i guess the trade deadline will be passed at that point so we'll have some answers thursday here and uh we'll see what happens got a couple more days perfect we'll see you on friday keep it pushing pushing